This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. On the show today, we're going to be talking about the cashless economy with our friends from Ipsos Malaysia. Now, sometime in July, Ipsos released a study that showed, and I paraphrase here, that more than a quarter of Malaysians had now adopted or at least used e-wallets for their purchases. But is this behaviour going to stick? And what other cashless payment options are Malaysians leading into? Well, to talk to us about this and more is is Arun Menon, Managing Director of Ipsos Malaysia. Arun, welcome to Risa Centre. Thank you, Otri, and thanks for having Ipsos here. So, um, Arun, I'm really curious about this study because, you know, plenty has happened during the pandemic and it's accelerated the adoption of all things touchless or cashless, right? Now, uh, talk to us about this study. You know, what was the objective, the demographics, and did you guys have a hypothesis uh, behind this study? So, um, Audrey, you're absolutely right, because um, when we were actually observing how COVID is changing and shifting the landscape, uh, some of the categories or some of the behaviors which is accelerated through COVID, one of them is that we are using more of e-commerce, right? We are buying more things online and like not things that we usually never used to consider. Uh, Then at the same time, the other one which is accelerated is the e-payment channel. We are trying to make more payments online and everything, right? So we wanted to see that once things opens up, is it going to stick, right? Are we going to go back to water and how much are we going to go back? Mm. It's something that we wanted to check, right? And that was our hypothesis. In actual, our hypothesis was it will drop you know, uh, probably not to the level pre-COVID, but there might be a slight drop in the overall behavior of people uh, in terms of e-commerce or even in terms generally the digital engagement that we had during COVID, right? So that was our hypothesis. And we did a study, like a multiple phase. So every month we do around 1,000 interviews of Malaysians. Like it's like a, you know, up, we have to cover all the rural areas, urban areas and everything. It's like a face-to-face interviews uh, across Malaysia. And we touched upon some topics related to digital economy. And the research that you've been speaking about is from that study that we've been uh, doing in, the, um, you know, early this year. Right. So give us um, a summary of the key findings, the stuff that you found uh, interesting about the way Malaysians are going cashless. Yes. So I think in terms of um, we have done some studies for banking industry before. So Overall, what we call the non-cash payments was around 25% or so before COVID. Now the non-cash or like is 55%. So all non-cash is like, uh, it's almost all touchless. Your credit cards and your online banking, your e-payments and everything, right? So now it is 55%. So that's a huge jump, right? From before pandemic to after uh, the pandemic, right? And that 55%. 27%, almost a quarter of Malaysian, as you said, is using now e-wallet payments uh, across Malaysia. Um, so in uh, it's also accelerated the e-commerce adoption because when you are doing online purchases, you are uh, you know paying through online. So we also know that around 72% of Malaysian would have visited a website in the last six months to buy something. But almost 40 to 45 percent actually made a purchase or close to half of Malaysians are by bought online in the last six months. Right. Mm. And uh, interesting thing for us is that to refer to what our previous discussion, it hasn't actually dropped. 
it's actually been stable. It hasn't increased significantly. So in 2021, what we used to use as online purchase or e-payment, we are continued to do it, right? In terms of e-commerce purchase. The other big shift is your e-wallet, where we used to initially pay mostly online. Now we are using at the retail stores and F&B stores. So that, you know, growing uh, massively by their usage at the physical outlets when it comes to e-payment channels, right? So this is the shift that we have seen. Right. And do we have any stats on um, where this increased activity of using um, e-wallets in physical stores is coming from? You know, is it just the kids uh, or is it everyone? Do you have any data on that? On the e-wallet, it is still a very urban mid to high income uh, profile, right? So if you're looking at rural rural in uh, Malaysia, um, you are B40 segments, right? Uh, there is a much lesser usage uh, of e-wallet um, compared to urban Malaysians, right? So urban Malaysians, and you are absolutely right. Well, if you are of a younger age, you are much likely to use than somebody who is fifty plus when it comes to e-wallet uh, usage, right? So, um, so even if you say overall twenty-seven percent, as a younger person is doing, almost fifty percent of them are using e-wallet, right? Whereas, in if you are below two thousand ringgit per month income. Uh, you only 10% of them are actually using e-wallet. So it's still, dom- I know that the uh, Malaysian government is promoting a lot into cashless economy and e-wallet and during pandemic as well, but still restricted predominantly to affluent segments and urban areas. Right. And um, do we have a preferred e-wallet or, you know, is it generally all the players? Is there a, a fair distribution? Uh, do we have a favorite e-wallet, Malaysians? So I believe on an average, we use around two e-wallet. Um, uh, so you would have like two apps or two e-wallet options that we have. Touch and go seems to be the overwhelming uh, you know, preference. That's because we are familiar with that brand for years, right? Because of uh, the tolls and everything. Now there seems to be the uh, more prefer, like you know, the more more used compared to uh, some of the other e-wallets out there, right? So, um, so. <clears throat> But we don't see much difference in by demographic in terms of preference towards one versus the others. Uh, on an average, we use around two of them. Hmm. And do we know how e-wallets are being used? As in, when you go to these physical stores, are they used, you know, just to purchase maybe not big ticket items? I'm thinking in my mind. But do we have any stats on how um, e-wallets are being used? You know, what kind of purchases are being made? Uh, so that is, uh, you know, um, interesting question on how we use that. So predominantly our e-wallets are used still for, uh, you know, food now for food and beverage uh, outlets and retail stores, right? That's the main way that it is used. Uh, that's almost half of those people are using is actually using it for uh, that. Then followed by, you know, delivery or online purchases at some time. So that's where it is uh, used. And a part of them also using it for money transfer. Money transfer mm. is in that said, you know, I have an account and I transfer it to my, uh, you know, friends or colleagues or, you know, uh, you know, siblings account, something like that. So, um, major, I think once we, this was not the case before the pandemic, as you will mm. see now that retail outlets and F&B is open, we are predominantly using for those channels, right? So that's where we are, um, you know, we see much more. And we see that it would continue to increase on those channels. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, that overall non-cash was around 25% to 26%, which is 
picked up to 55%, right? E-wallet, our estimate was somewhere close to 8 to 10% was pre-pandemic level to now around 26%. Uh, so almost like three times more usage uh, just from a percentage perspective, right? Which is uh, significantly, hmm. significant improvement over the and I'm sure that it's going to it's going to be the mainstay because we see that percentage of people using is continues to be there. Uh, it's only need to increase in certain pockets. Right. And is there any um, comparison to how we fare against our neighbors? You know, like other countries in the region when it comes to e-wallet uh, usage or adoption. So we haven't done that much of uh, research on e-wallet per se for other countries, right? But we have seen that um, it has, the the trend is consistent across all this, uh, at least the Southeast Asian Mm. countries, adoption of e-wallet. And partly because uh, there is a huge increase on e-commerce usage as well. So they are, you know, making the payment through your payment systems and channel, right? And that's where it is actually triggering and where the e-wallet uh, is actually uh, helping the accelerated growth. Uh, some countries, which is uh, like Singapore and there's much ahead of us, right? But we are, uh, compared to other countries like Vietnam and some of the other Southeast Asia countries, Malaysia seems to be much ahead in terms of uh, e-wallet adoption. But we haven't done the same study across the Southeast Asia. Right. Okay. We are going to take a quick break for some messages. But when we come back, we touch uh, a bit more on going cashless, but this time how it affects e-commerce. All that and more happening on Resource Center with Arun Menon from Ipsos. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Broking Financial Mergers, BFM 89.9. And we're back. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Arun Menon, Managing Director of Ipsos Malaysia. And we are discussing the cashless economy and some of our preferred uh, cashless payment options. Now, um, Arun, I'm just um, thinking a lot about my personal behavior when it comes to the way I used to shop pre-pandemic and how I'm shopping today. And, you know, I personally shopped online a lot um, in 2020 and 2021. But this year, I'm kind of doing everything um, in physical stores, in in the malls. You know, it started with grocery shopping, but now I do almost everything offline. You know, are Malaysians getting back to their pre-COVID shopping habits or, or is it just me? I think um, you're right in the sense that we graduated a bit more into physical store and we're still buying uh, we, because it's also because we want to go out and about and you know, do things because we've been cooked up at home for so many years, right? Um, but what we're seeing is that a convergence of different marketplaces at the same time. So when I say a marketplace is that e-commerce is like one platform, uh, physical stores is another platform, right? So how all this comes together. So now um, we we do, uh, so all of us, right, even if we buy, we all would have bought something e-commerce. Uh, like not, what we know is that 42% of Malaysians, right, in the last six months, bought something online right but we are 100% sure all of us bought it offline as well something else right so it's not like we I'm 100% online versus 
offline uh, commerce uh, platform, right? So what we do is that um, there are things that we would want to buy online. We would probably do a um, quick search outside or like on the physical store, try out and everything, but buy it online, go to check the online marketplaces to see which one offers me the best price or, you know, the fastest delivery, then I buy it from there, right? So it is a convergence of multiple platforms, right? And people are not probably seeing that, okay, this versus the others. What actually gives me the best uh, convenience, best pricing, you know, um, best the most value, mm. more value exactly. So that's what uh, we are increasing. But we continue to buy things online, and I think it's going to stay. Um, a lot of the older generation uh, used to buy online as well during the pandemic. They are the one who kind of came back quickly into, um, you know, the regular marketplaces or the brick and mortar marketplaces, right? You're calling me all, Arun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yes. probably, you know, we, we just need to get the touch and feel of the thing. We need to interact with people and stuff. But most of the young, like th- below 30, they are sticking and increasingly using more of the online uh, mm. platform. An interesting shift is by the geography of Malaysia. Uh, we were actually quite surprised. Um, East Coast was the one which actually used quite a lot of e-commerce platform, right? And mm. that's uh, the part, right? Even compared to uh, some of the other, though they are not very high in terms of e-payment or e-wallet usage, but e-commerce platform is something that they use a lot, right? Uh, but in the central region of Malaysia, uh, e-commerce is booming because our grocery shopping because a lot of us has shifted our grocery shopping and we kind of found okay why do i need to go buy the you know big ticket items i buy in grocery or milk and so you already know the brands i buy it online right and get it delivered and me going picking up right but when you want specific items you go for offline so we are actually uh, mixing our product categories and channels whatever that's best suit our convenience Hmm. Um, do we know what else uh, Malaysians are kind of looking to purchase online? Like, is it just the, I mean, do we save the big ticket items for um, actually going out to the malls and buying them there? Or are, are, are Malaysians actually purchasing big ticket items online too? So when we look at the most uh, purchased items online has to do with fashion. Mm. Fashion is the one which is most uh, uh, purchased online, right? When it comes to your home appliances, electronics are the one which is least purchased online, right? So even the pan- after the pandemic, those items, big ticket items that you see, the electronics items or the fashion or a bit of a furniture, electronics items and furniture, they seem to be less bought online now. They are actually moving offline uh, because they want to go and buy it and compare it and see the physical product. But when it comes to fashion and accessories, which continues to, this always used to be staple of the e-commerce platform mm-hmm. even before, right? And that's one thing which um, has gone. And then it's an interesting fact. We did a study on entrepreneurs, right? In Malaysia, those who claim that they started a business in the last one year, more than a third of them has opened an online marketplace. Mm. So a lot, if we check around, like a lot of the youngsters have opened up a marketplace where they are selling products online to, you know, uh, fashion items, accessories items, right? For example, from next pieces to shoes and everything, right? So that's where we see it is booming and there's more of, uh, you know, uh, activities happening in those pieces. Speaking of online shopping and marketplaces, are there preferred platforms that Malaysians are turning to when it comes to their e-commerce purchases? 
I think for the last two years, we see Shopee has been a dominant platform uh, across um, different, uh, you know, platform. But um, then we do see Lazada and others following up, right? But when it comes to items like, for example, groceries, uh, you know, there is like, you know, um, someone like Grab doing very well on the groceries items and others. So um, it, it does vary. For example, some platform uh, people go for the variety that offers. Some of them, they close, okay, they have access to international products. Um, that's where, uh, you know, um, we do the trade-off, right? So again, on an average, we go to around two to three platform before we actually decide. But mm. predominantly for the last two years, it has been dominated by Shopee. Mm. What about... What about brand.coms? You know, what's the status with retailers um, starting up their online web shops? Mm-hmm. You know, are consumers uh, purchasing goods at brand.coms or are they still gravitating towards marketplaces where there's more variety? So, um, so we have, when we had a discussion with some of the, you know, exactly the brands where actually they are opening, right? They kind of consider it from two angles and I think we can see that. There are some which is positioning, if you're buying from my branded outlet, you get uh, a different pricing, like, you know, at a reduced pricing compared to why. So that the price positioning is one thing. The other thing is, this is mostly for uh, luxury brands and others, right? Where they find that, okay, we, we are positioning our brand for those people who are buying from our side. You have access to some unique products, which you know, um, not something like a generic product. So this would be a unique product. And that's also, they give preference to frequent buyers who is buying from their uh, outlets, right? So they are positioning, it's a much more of a premium. So you come to my uh, branded websites to buy it as a premium, whereas in this another group, which say that, okay, you get a better discount, right? Mm-hmm. But the general theme is that if I have general consumer perception is, perception is that I go to uh, brand.com, that means that I get it at a lower price than when I buy from, uh, you know, regular the overall. Right. Okay. Now, Arun, was there any other trends or interesting insights that you noticed from this study? Uh, Anything that surprised you or anything that made you look forward to what's about to come? So generally, we consider e-commerce as like probably as a monolith, right? We kind of see that it's fragmenting a lot Mm. now, right? So there's a concept of uh, on-demand or quick commerce. I get delivered within an hour, right? So that's becoming, uh, you know, I have a, say probably like you know, I have a party in the evening. I don't have the dress. I cook it, order it, and it comes in two hours, right? right? So, or, um, um, or probably that when you are actually, uh, this is another trend, right? You would want to, um, uh, you are following a recipe. I need the items for the recipe, right? You order it and all of them get delivered. So that's the one concept which is evolving. And you all then the social commerce, which is another trend which is happening. And then there's the other thing. I think everybody speaks about you know uh, the live commerce. Mm. Where, you know you have a and in China and some of the other market is huge booming business where you know millions of dollars being sold in one session or hour, right? And that is speaking quite as well in the region. Um, I think Vietnam seems to be leading in Southeast Asia uh, with, you know, online e-commerce or like, you know, for example, uh, live commerce, right? Live TV commerce. And um, that that just seems to be coming to Malaysia as well. A lot of Malaysians are actually very interested in that, right? But that's what we see that the immediate, uh, you know, a fragmentation of the e-commerce into different platforms. 
But beyond that, we are looking at the role that metaverse can play in terms of e-commerce, right? If that is something which is going to be very interesting to watch out how e-commerce enter into the metaverse uh, and the platform. But one thing which we say is that consumers, we anybody who's a brand who's trying to come up with um, you know e-commerce platforms or be partnering with that, you need to think that you need to. Uh, structure your marketplaces around consumers, right? Then actually I have this channel, this store, this outlet. Is that how do people actually make a decision and structure your marketplaces around that decision-making process? So practically, whenever the person think of or visualize, you need to be present in everywhere and you should be ready to deliver at every time, right? So it's like an omnipresent present, mm. an omnipresent uh, nature of brand, which is going to be more prominent as we... Uh, so so after the after this if you want oh i wanted to buy this one then you, the brand should be available at that point of time and you think that i need to buy that right, right. so it's going to be the direction for e-commerce right so it's all about the customer experience the customer journey and being yes. available as and when that impulse uh, yes. buy moment comes right that's, that's, that's what we see all right arun thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us uh, for everyone tuning in who might be keen to take a look at this study by ipsos is there a, a website that they can go to where they can actually look at the study and learn more yes if just google ipsos malaysia e-commerce or you know payment you can always access the all reports any latest report that we've been published you can it's available at the ipsosmalaysia.com yeah right and if you missed out on any part of this show you can go look for the podcast on our website that's bfm.my you can also find all our podcasts on the brand new bfm app that's available on the apple app store and on google play i've been speaking with arun menon managing director of ipsos malaysia my name is audrey raj and this has been resource center on enterprise bfm 89.9 Listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.